One day my parents voted on election day in their township just before the polls closed. Uh, they were the last ones to arrive and therefore they were the last ones to vote. Now there were several uh, local candidates who were running and the next day when my parents checked the results in the newspaper they discovered that one of the candidates had won by one vote. They both had voted for that candidate. So had they stayed home and not voted? The candidate would have lost by one vote. They literally determined the results of the election for that candidate and decisively decided the election for that lady. Who said one vote can't make a difference? Who said one life cannot make a difference, right? Now last week we learned together that if we live a beatitude kind of life, we can expect persecution. By the way, that's a little hard to hear, is it not? No one wants to be ridiculed. No one wants to be rejected. And so we can be tempted to respond in two ways. One, we can conform. Or two, we can withdraw. We can conform to the world. Uh, if being a Christian makes us stand out, then we can just decide, I'll blend in. Or we can withdraw, we can isolate ourselves in a little Christian bubble where it is nice and safe and easy. Uh, how many of you this morning think those are Jesus' desires for us? I didn't think so. In fact, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to read uh, with me, as you look at it, Jesus desires for us. Matthew chapter 5, and listen to these words in verses 13 to 16. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, the emphasis here is, you and you alone. No one else can be the world's salt. No one else can be the world's light. It is us and us alone. So here's what Jesus is saying. Make a difference. In spite of the risk, engage the culture. Do not play it safe. Be an agent of change. 
Now this morning we have a very simple question that Jesus wants us to consider, and that is, how do we influence our culture in a very, very difficult world? This morning I want us to answer that question together. I want to bring a message from Jesus' words here entitled, Called to Be Salt and Light. And Jesus says, if we are going to be change agents in a difficult world, there are two things that we must be as believers. Let's spend a little time looking at them, all right? First of all, to influence our culture, we must be salty Christians. Jesus says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Now in Jesus' day, there were two needs for salt, and we want to spend a little time this morning looking at them. First of all, salt was a preservative, and so Jesus is saying that salt preserves culture from corruption. Uh, In the ancient world, salt was a very, very important commodity. Uh, The Romans had this word, this, uh, this phrase, there is nothing more important than sun or salt. There were actually wars that were fought over salt, and entire economies were based upon salt. Now, salt was the choice method for preventing bacteria from poisoning food. Uh, Today, we use refrigeration. And refrigeration keeps food from spoiling and rotting. But in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, what they would do is they would take salt and they would rub it very thoroughly into the meat and that would prevent it from rotting. Uh, This past week I was watching an old episode of The Virginian. It dates me a little bit here this morning, doesn't it? And the Virginian was on a long horse ride, and he had an empty stomach and no food. And a friend gave him a piece of jerky, that is salted meat. And that salted meat would stay fresh on that long journey. Now there's absolutely no question in any of our minds that we live in a corrupt and decaying world. But here is what Jesus is saying. When we as his people live out the Beatitudes, we are like salt being rubbed into the meat. That's what Jesus is saying. By the Do you remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 about Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what he said? He said, Abraham, if I can find ten righteous people in those cities, I will not destroy those cities. You know that God could not find ten righteous. But I want you to think about what God was saying. If there were ten righteous people in those ancient wicked cities, God was saying their influence would be so much important that he would stay his hand of judgment on those cities. What an incredible statement that is. I like what Bible teacher William Hendrickson had to say. 
He said, to be sure, the world is wicked, yet God alone knows how far more corrupt it would be without the restraining example, life, and prayers of the saints. And all God's people said, that is absolutely true. I remember one day a number of years ago, I I went into the uh, repair shop to pick up my car after um, hours. And uh, I was the only one in the office. And uh, the mechanic who had fixed my car was in the garage with a friend of his. And he was very mad. I'm not all exactly sure what he was mad about. But I want you to know he was swearing like a blue streak. I mean, he was taking the Lord's name in vain. He was using every four-letter word in the book, all the while not realizing that I, a man he knew was a Christian, was standing in the office overhearing all of it. You should have seen the look on his face when he walked in and realized I had heard it all. You want to talk about a man who was embarrassed, humiliated? He apologized to me. He began going off on a long explanation of how he had been raised in a religious background. I have never heard a mechanic talk so much about religion in all my life. I hadn't said one word. I just showed up and stood there. My presence was a rebuke to this man. I thought if I can have this kind of an effect, imagine the effect I could have if I worked there every single day. You see what Jesus is saying? He is telling us that salt preserves culture from corruption. Let's look at the second use of salt. Secondly, salt in the ancient world was a flavoring. And Jesus is telling us that salt flavors culture with virtue. Another critical use of salt is that it adds flavor to food. In fact, if you use salt properly, salt will bring out the flavor in the food that is already there. I like what one person said. I've never thought about it this way, but it's absolutely true. Salt makes food more foodier so that it will taste as authentically as it should be. Now, in the same way, this is what Jesus is saying. When we live out the Beatitudes in our life, we improve the quality of the society around us. I grew up for 10 years going to Center Lake Bible Camp in Tustin, Michigan, 30 miles south of Cadillac. I would not trade those 10 years going to that camp for almost anything in my life. Because there were camp counselors that I had in those 10 years that I adored. 
I adored them. And when I would leave camp as a, as a boy, I was always a better boy because of their salt. Most of them have totally forgotten about my life, yet because of their salt, their flavor lives on in my life to this very day. And today, if you would look at me, whatever good you would see in my life is the result of many, many Christians over many years who have rubbed their salt into me. That's what Jesus is saying. What an incredible opportunity that we have. But now did you notice that there is a, a warning here? Jesus also has a warning. And the warning is losing our saltiness makes us useless. Notice how he says that. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now this seems very odd to us today because uh, we have pure salt and therefore our salt never loses its saltiness. But in Jesus' day, uh, the salt that was often used came from the Dead Sea in southern Israel. It contained other minerals. One of the minerals it contained was a mineral known as gypsum. It was a chalk-like substance that was very much uh, white like cement. And here's what would happen. In humid weather, the salt would leach out. It would leave the gypsum as a residue, and that residue was completely tasteless, and so it was absolutely useless. In fact, what they would do is is they would throw it out on the road and it would fill in the cracks in the road and thus it would be literally trampled on and walked on by people as a substance no longer useful but just to be under people's feet. Now would you follow me very carefully? Christians can become like that. The salt can leak out of our lives. We can lose our saltiness. Our character, as defined by the Beatitudes, can leach out of us, making us ineffective. Do you know that every moral, ethical, or relational problem can be traced back to a lack of the presence of the Beatitudes. Whether it is breakdown in a marriage, breakdown in a family, breakdown in a church, wherever that breakdown is, it is the result of a lack of the Beatitudes. So you can actually take the Beatitudes, all eight of them, and whenever you see a breakdown occurring, you can go down the list 
and you can find the one and you can say, yes, that's the cause of this breakdown. That's why Jesus is saying to us, the number one duty that we have as a Christian is vigilance in staying salty. Do you see how he puts this together? Here's the character of of those who follow me. All eight of these qualities that I have shared with you. Now these are so important for you and your influence in the world that the number one duty you have as a believer is to be vigilant in making sure you stay salty. In my first year as a student at Moody Bible Institute, I worked with a fellow student at a gas station where we pumped gas. One day this student said to me that he was feeling a little bit guilty and, and he opened up to me. Uh, we had chapel uh, every day when we were at Moody and we were allowed so many um, absences and uh, uh, to keep us honest, they had a sign-in, sign-in system. Along the walls of the chap- chapel were uh, sheets of paper with numbers on it. We were assigned a number. And uh, you would uh, sign in your initials uh, so that the school knew that you were at chapel and they could keep track of your absences. This fellow student said to me, he said, um, uh, I've been uh, signing in, skipping chapel, and going back to my room. I I was shocked. I thought, here we are at a Bible college, and, and we're preparing to serve God, and you're cheating. You are claiming to be at chapel services that you're not at, and you're lying. You're telling the administration by signing in that that you're at chapels that you're really not at. Well, I lost track of that student until our senior year. And he resurfaced in a big way. He was caught smoking pot on campus. And he was expelled. But it was worse. The vice president of our senior class was caught smoking pot with him. And he was expelled. But it's worse. The vice president's father was the president of a well-known Bible college in Missouri. And he had to come and pick up his son who was expelled. Who could have thought? Who could have thought that skipping chapel services would lead to all that? Do you know what my wife said? One thing leads to another. Isn't she right? Folks, character is organic. 
We have seen this in the Beatitudes. They are a whole. They are interconnected. Leaking salt in one area of our life will inevitably lead to leaking salt in another area of our life. Look at what happened. One student did not protect his saltiness and he became worthless to another student and actually dragged him down. Now God will forgive and he forgives those men and all God's people said, But what was lost could not be undone. What was lost could not be undone. I have a question for us this morning. Are we protecting our saltiness? It is the source of our power. It is the greatest possession that we have. Is there any salt right now in our lives that is leaking out? I would say to you today, if there is salt right now leaking out of your life, confront it, face it, deal with it, and make it right. God can restore our saltiness. And all God's people said, but the longer we delay, the more damage we do. The longer we delay, the more damage we do. Jesus says to us, you you want to influence your culture? You have to be a salty Christian. Let's look at the second way we influence our culture. Secondly, Jesus tells us that to influence our culture, we must be shining Christians. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Now, uh, there are two needs for light. And let's take a look at them together, all right? Number one, lights shine in a dark culture. Light in the Bible refers to two things. Truth, which needs to be taught, and truth, which needs to be lived as an example. Now, we live in a very dark world, spiritually, morally, ethically, and we are called to shine. So what Jesus is telling us is when we live the Beatitudes, we are like a megawatt Christian who is shining for the Lord. I heard about several men who were discussing uh, which translation of the Bible they preferred. And one man said, uh, I prefer my mother's translation of the Bible. And they said, what? Your mother's translation of the Bible? He said, yeah, she lived it. We are the only Bible some people will ever read. So we are to be lights that shine into our culture. Now notice the second thing about lights. Lights cannot be hidden to be effective. 
Jesus says uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. If you've ever seen a city on a hill, you know that it is elevated. So we are to be elevated as believers. And then he says in verse 15, a household lamp is not hidden under a bowl so that we are to be public about our testimony and out and out for the Lord. Now it's interesting, uh, the lamp that Jesus has in mind here was a small clay oil lamp, very much like this. I would have a receptacle, there would be oil in it, a little wick. The houses of the poor were uh, just these very, very small one-room homes. And so if you uh, lit a lamp like this, it would light the whole house up. And everyone then would be able to see. Now, I want you to look at what it looks like to cover over a lamp with a basket. This is someone's photograph of what that looks like. Now, obviously, that light can't do much good for anyone. Do you know one of the reasons God has put you where you are is so that you can shine? He wants you to be public about your testimony, and He wants you to keep your light very, very clear. You know what is so sad about so many people, including Christians? They complain about where God has put them. They hate their jobs. They can't wait to retire. They grumble and complain about the company they work for. They're never satisfied with their pay. May I ask you, what does that say about the wisdom of God who has placed you where he has? I'll be honest with you. I don't really look forward to retiring because I see so many Christians in retirement wasting their retirement and ending up essentially looking just like the world. And Jesus here is saying to us, God in his wisdom has placed us where he wants us and if we grumble and complain, hate what we're doing or where we're at, what does that say about the wisdom of God? In fact, look at our purpose. Look at what the scripture says is why God has placed us where he has. Would you read these words with me from Philippians 2, 14 and 15? Let's read them together. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. That's God's purpose. That's why we are where we are. Do you know recently I met a man who works in the mines? Without identifying myself as a pastor, I said to him, do you know so-and-so? He knows two men from Bethel who work in the mines. 
he did not know that I was their pastor, I said to him, uh, they are friends of mine. He complimented both of them. One, he said, has a great attitude, which is hard in the minds. The other, he said, is an excellent workmanship kind of a guy. I was so thrilled as their pastor to hear these men are shining their lights at the Tilden and the Empire. You know what I will never be able to do? I will never be able to preach in those minds. Those men are preaching there every day. The non-believers at the Empire and the Tilden... They have no light to shine if those men don't shine their light. No one will. What an awesome, awesome thing. Now with salt, Jesus had a warning. But with light, Jesus has an encouragement. The encouragement is shining makes God visible and attractive. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The word praise there means to make manifest or visible. It literally means to magnify. What he is saying is that we put God under a magnifying lens when we, through our good works, shine for Him. So notice what Jesus is saying. When our testimony is public, and we are maintaining our salt, people around us connect the dots. They know we are the way we are because of our relationship with Jesus. Thus their praise of us spills over into praise of Jesus because they know he's behind it. In fact, did you know that Peter uses this exact expression to say some may become believers. Listen to his words in 1 Peter 2.12. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What an incredible encouragement for us. This morning I want to close with two quotes. And I want to bring them before you here this morning. The first one comes from Charles Spurgeon, and listen to his words. We preach here in the pulpit, but what can we do unless you preach yonder at home? It is you preaching in your shops, in your kitchens, in your nurseries, in your parlors, in the streets, which will tell on the masses. This is the preaching the best preaching in the world, for it is seen as well as heard. All God's people said, that is exactly spot on. This is the preaching. 
This is the best preaching in the world, for it is seen as well as heard. And then let me give you this quote this morning that all of us know. It is better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Would you read that with me this morning? Let's affirm that together this morning. It is better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Will you be that light? Will you be that light? Let's bow our hearts together and let's close our eyes for just a moment. And I want us to take just a brief time before the Lord to examine our lives. Any salt right now that's leaking out of your life? I will guarantee you it's the cause of the breakdown in your relationships. Whether it's your marriage, your family, whether it's here at church or out in the world. Today, as I ask you that question, you know and God knows. And you know that God knows. And your most important possession, the source of your power, is your saltiness. And if it is leaking out, one thing leads to another. My wife is absolutely correct. And today, I want you to do business with God. I want you to go back over those eight Beatitudes and where is the salt leaking out of your life? Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. Before the damage gets too great, face it and face God. And He can forgive you, He can cleanse you, He can restore the saltiness, and sometimes that undoes the damage. Then let me ask you today, what are you known like in the people you live with, in your neighborhood, those you work with? Do you hate where you're at? Do you complain? Is the company no good? Is your pay too little? When your pastor would meet somebody that you work with, would they say about you, you have a great attitude, and you have excellent workmanship, and do they know that you are a Christian so that when you step up and a dirty joke is being told or, or filthy language is being used, immediately people know I'm uncomfortable in his or her presence talking like this. A 
God calls us to shine that light. Let's do business with the Lord today. Let's do business with our Lord. Father, today, thank you for these simple metaphors. Thank you for the powerful truth that they leave us with. In just a moment, Father, we will leave this place and the thoughts of the day will turn to other things. May we not miss this opportunity for self-examination, for cleansing. May we be ready to move out and rectify things with anyone that has been damaged. Whether they know they've been damaged or perhaps are not aware of how we have secretly damaged them. And we pray today that with all our ability, we'll stay salty and shine our light clearly and publicly. Thank you now for Jesus' sake.